Welcome to Thriller Vault, where thriller writers tell their favorite stories. I'm your host and storyteller, Phil Williams. And tonight, I have a very special Christmas story for you titled Santa Vigilante. Chris drove on the two-lane highway, flurries flittering from left to right, the traffic heavy but moving. Everything appeared dirty, the afternoon sun muted by the gray clouds. He wondered if they'd have a white Christmas tomorrow. He shivered despite his Santa suit. The fan for his heater was broken. It was a repair he couldn't afford at the moment. His phone chimed. He let out a heavy breath and answered the call. Hey, Gemma. You're late again, Gemma said in lieu of a greeting. Chris passed a slow-moving truck. I'm working on it. It was Chris's monthly child support payment for his daughter, Sarah. I shouldn't have to ask you every month. You need to get your life together. I know. That's why I got a second job. Doing what? I'm the Santa at Victoria Center. Gemma laughed. Chris was quiet, now stuck behind a minivan going 10 miles under the speed limit. His phone beeped, indicating a low battery. Are you serious? I need the money. Construction's slowing down, so I've had the time. Well, you have the build for it. You looked like me when I was about eight months pregnant. Chris glanced at his third trimester gut. He had put on 50 pounds since his divorce three years ago. Gemma laughed again. I'm glad you're finding this funny. Sorry. How long have you been working at Victoria Center? Two weeks, Chris replied. It's at night and on the weekends. Don't worry, though. I don't have to work tomorrow, so Sarah can still come over after she opens presents with you guys. Gemma took a deep breath. She wanted me to ask you if it's okay if she stays home. My parents flew in yesterday. We're having a family dinner. Chris clenched his jaw. I got her a nice present. I decorated my apartment. I was going to drive her around to see the Christmas lights like we used to do. She said your car doesn't have heat. It does. The fan's broken. We'll dress warm. Do you really want her coming over if that's not what she wants? Chris flashed his lights at the slow minivan. I doubt you're encouraging her to see me. That's not my job. Chris groaned. I barely see her anymore. I don't know what you want me to say. Fine. So I'll see her on the 26th then? Gemma cleared her throat. Jake booked a ski vacation through Nears. Jake was Gemma's husband, an English professor and a world-class knob. Chris saw an opening in the adjacent lane. He gunned his engine and passed the minivan. This isn't fair, and you know it. It isn't fair that you haven't lived up to your financial responsibilities either, but life isn't fair, is it? Red and blue lights whirred behind him. Damn it, Chris replied. I gotta go. There's a cop behind me. Chris disconnected the call and put his phone in his cup holder, hopeful that the cop didn't see him talking and driving. He pulled over, parked on the highway shoulder, and slapped his steering wheel in frustration. The police car parked behind him, the lights still whirring. Chris grabbed his license and registration, not wanting to fumble with his documentation in front of the cop. The cop strutted toward Chris's driver's side window. He was an imposing man, tall and muscular, The cop smacked Chris's window with his flashlight unnecessarily hard, even though Chris was already rolling down his window. Your window should be down at the traffic stop, the cop said. His name tag read Sizemore. Chris tried to explain. It's cold, I... Shut up, Santa. Do you know why I pulled you over? I don't know. Rubbish. I saw you put that phone away as soon as I lit you up. I was only talking for a... Shut up. Chris dipped his head staring at the steering wheel. 
You're talking on your cell phone and driving like a maniac. I don't think I was speeding. Officer Sizemore thumped the car door with his flashlight, causing Chris to startle. Shut up! That's your final warning. Open your big, fat mouth again, and I'll have you face down on the side of this road in handcuffs. The tow-headed little boy said, I want Minecraft for Xbox, Hexbugs, Skylanders for PS3. That game comes with action figures. I thought you wanted Minecraft for Xbox, Chris said through his fake white beard. The boy sighed. I have Xbox and PS3. Is that all? I only have so much room in my sleigh. No. I also want the Nerf gun that shoots really fast like a machine gun. And I want a remote controlled race car. One that goes really fast and can do jumps. And I want... Chris tuned out as the little boy in his lap spit out his Christmas wish list like the Nerf machine gun he coveted. The evening was a blur of snot-nosed kids. Some cried in terror. Some were shy. Some had unidentified substances on their sticky little hands. Some, like the little blonde boy, rattled off impossible-to-remember wish lists. The last girl of the night was shy and as light as a feather. She wouldn't look at Chris. She was pale and frail with the cutest button nose and big brown eyes. She reminded Chris of his daughter when she was younger, when she loved him. What would you like for Christmas, little girl? Chris asked in his jolly Santa voice. The pale little girl didn't reply. Her mother was ten feet away behind the velvet rope. Tell Santa what you want, baby. The mom was skeletal, with rotten teeth and stringy hair. A petite man with a shaved head and neck tattoos stood next to her, with his arms crossed over his chest. What would you like for Christmas, little girl? I know you've been such a good girl, Chris said. The girl shrugged. Chris had been through this many times before. Many kids were too shy to talk, so Chris gave her some suggestions. How about Beanie Balls or Elmo? The girl shrugged again. How about a Barbie or Doc McStuffins? The girl tilted her head up and whispered something. What was that? Chris asked, bending toward the girl. She whispered again, but Chris still couldn't hear her. Santa's getting old. Could you tell me one more time? A little louder, please. Chris bent a little closer to the girl. The little girl looked up at Chris with glassy eyes. She whispered, I want Rick to stop hurting us. Chris was speechless. He had never heard anything like this before. He glanced at the girl's mother, wondering how she could care for a child when she couldn't even take care of herself. Who's Rick? Chris whispered back. Mommy says he's my dad, but he's not my dad. Chris glanced at the bald man with the neck tats, figuring he was Rick. The girl climbed down from Chris's lap and ran to her mother. Chris stood from his throne and watched the trio melt into the crowd of Christmas shoppers. Chris walked to the parking garage, thinking of the little girl. His Santa hat and beard were still in place. The costume was perfect for the biting cold. Besides, he didn't want to kill the Christmas magic for some poor kid. As he entered the parking garage, he heard sharp voices echoing in the concrete structure. The little girl, her mother, and Rick walked along the parked cars. Rick gesticulated and scolded the mother. Chris worried that he might hit her. The little girl lagged, drifting too much into the center of the lane. A car engine revved, and a red Mini Cooper zipped around the corner driving much too fast. It all happened in slow motion. Chris was too far away to do anything. The little girl was in the lane, 
The mini was headed right for her. Watch out, Chris called out, but his shout was muffled by his beard and the modified exhaust on the mini. The boxy little car swerved at the last moment, barely missing the girl. Rick turned his rage from the mother to the little girl. What the hell are you doing? Rick asked, although it was more of a statement than a question. Are you stupid or something? He grabbed her by the arm and yanked her toward their old Honda. Chris went to his car with a nagging feeling in the pit of his stomach. He thought to himself, Does this girl need help? Should I call the police? And tell them what? A girl almost got run over and the stepdad or whatever it is got mad? They won't do anything. Chris entered his car and cranked the ignition. He drove out of the parking garage intent on letting it go. It's none of my business. My stepdad used to smack me around and I turned out fine. On the way out, Chris spotted their Honda Accord. As they turned onto the highway, Chris caught a glimpse of the little girl staring blankly out of the rear passenger window. Chris followed them, thinking he wasn't breaking any laws. They drove to a rundown neighborhood on the outskirts of town. The small houses had been constructed with vinyl siding and chipboard, and many of them were falling apart with roofs that were in disrepair. Toys, rusty bicycles, and trash littered various front lawns. They parked in the driveway of a cottage with moldy siding and sickly boxwood shrubs under the front windows. Chris parked on the opposite side of the street with a good view of the action. The little girl ran inside ahead of Rick and her mother who were still arguing. From his car, he could hear muffled shouts from the pair. The mother screamed. Chris grabbed his phone with the intention of calling the police, but the battery was dead. This is crazy. Chris thought about leaving, but the woman screamed again. He exited his vehicle and crept to the cottage. There was a thud, and the mother moaned. Chris peered into the front window. Rick threw a roundhouse haymaker that connected with the mother's chin. She fell awkwardly, losing all motor control. She was down for the count, but that didn't stop Rick. He kicked her while she was down. Chris worried that he'd kill her, so he rushed to the front door and entered the cottage. Chris expected Rick to attack him, but Rick's rage was laser-focused on the rail-thin mother. Chris took several quick steps and barreled into Rick, tackling the man. Rick grunted as Chris's full 220 pounds crushed the smaller man. Rick went berserk, flailing and punching Chris's head, desperately trying to get the heavier man off of him. One of Rick's wild punches connected with Chris's Adam's apple, causing Chris to choke. Rick scrambled to his feet while Chris wheezed for breath. Rick said something inaudible and kicked at Chris's head. Rick mumbled, Goddamn Santa, repeatedly as he kicked. Chris covered his head with his forearms, but Rick's boot landed several times causing Chris's vision to blur and the room to spin. Rick huffed and puffed, running out of steam. The next time he kicked, Chris caught Rick's boot and twisted his ankle, causing Rick to howl in pain. Rick fell to the ground and Chris scrambled on top of the smaller man, adrenaline pumping through his veins. Chris put his gloved hands around Rick's neck and squeezed. Rick flailed and bucked, but Chris was too heavy. The flailing slowed, then stopped. But Chris kept squeezing, and Rick's body shook like he'd been electrocuted. But still, Chris held tight. Chris let go when he thought Rick was unconscious and no longer a threat. Rick's head lolled to the side. The house was silent, 
except for the wind gusting through the open door. Chris stared at the man, hoping to see the rise and fall of his chest, but he was perfectly still. Chris placed his gloved finger to Rick's neck, searching for a pulse. Oh my God, Chris said aloud. He's dead. Chris stood and took a step back from Rick's body. He surveyed the mostly barren room. A ratty couch with burn marks sat along one wall. Two crack pipes and a lighter sat on the coffee table. The carpet was stained and dingy. The mother was out cold, her nose bleeding. Chris went to her, noticing the rise and fall of her chest. He stared at his gloves, suddenly grateful he had been wearing them. Chris shut the front door and searched for a telephone, finding one in the kitchen just beyond the stairs to the second floor. He dialed the emergency number. What's your emergency? The female operator asked. A woman's unconscious. She was beaten. She needs an ambulance, Chris said. Are you in danger? No. What is your location? I I don't know. Chris glanced around the kitchen. The sink was filled with crusty dishes. A plate of cookies sat on a table littered with mail. Hold on. Chris went to the table, stretching the phone cord. He grabbed a past due bill from the table and read the address to the operator. An ambulance is on its way. What is your name, sir? Chris hung up the phone. He tossed the bill back on the table. As he did so, something caught his attention. The phone rang, likely emergency calling back. A folded piece of paper sat near the cookies. A single word was scrawled on the note in red crayon. Santa. Chris unfolded the note. Hi, Santa. I hope you like the cookies. I am sorry we do not have milk. We have powder milk, but it is gross. Rick said I am on your naughty list, so I do not get presents. I try to be a good girl. I am the best reader in my grade. How do I get on the nice list? You can have the cookies, even if I do not get a present. Your friend, Jessica. Chris flipped over the paper and wrote his own note in red crayon. Rick was naughty. He was abusing his wife and her child. He got what he deserved for Christmas. Signed, Santa. Chris left the note and fast walked toward the front door. The mom stirred on the floor in the living room. As he grabbed the doorknob to leave, the little girl called out, Santa? Chris turned around, spotting the little girl at the base of the stairs. She glanced at Rick's dead body. Then she said, Thank you, Santa. One year later, Chris was a better listener this year, more observant too. A sickly boy had asked to get better for Christmas. The kid had looked awful, like he had cancer. He had said that he was always sick, ever since he could remember. His mother had seemed off, crazy eyes, a serious helicopter mom. Chris had a feeling the dad wasn't in the picture. They had a special service at Victoria Center. The kids brought in their letters to Santa, and Chris or an elf would reply with one of the North Pole form letters based on the child's gender and age. The child received an actual letter from Santa prior to Christmas, telling them to be a good little boy or girl, and that Santa was so proud of them. That was how Chris got their address. He broke into their old colonial-style house and installed hidden cameras while they were out. He had installed cameras before in his construction and remodeling work, so that part was easy enough. Chris had watched them for weeks, The mom doted on the boy, showering him with affection and always giving him his aspirin every morning and every night. After seeing her devotion, 
He felt bad for violating their privacy. He had nearly ended the surveillance, but then it had hit him like a bolt of lightning. He had wondered, Why is the boy taking aspirin without food? Isn't that bad for his stomach? Chris broke into the house again while they were out. He had left a window unlocked from the last time, so it was an easy entry. He went to the bathroom and found the aspirin bottle. He had opened the bottle and dumped a handful of pills into his gloved hand. He had inspected the pills under the light. The pills should have been perfectly white, but there was a handful of tiny gray specks of something. What is that? He had thought. He had taken a few pills with the gray specks to a lab for analysis. The lab technician had been concerned telling Chris not to take the aspirin, that they were laced with lead, likely from lead-based paint, often present in older homes. It hadn't made sense to Chris. Why would this loving mom poison her son? He had researched the question, finding a psychological disorder called Munchausen syndrome by proxy. This is when a parent places a child into a sick role, pretending or intentionally producing symptoms of a physical or psychological disorder. She was poisoning him on purpose to keep him in the sick role. Chris sat in his car watching his laptop. The mother had been sleeping long enough to snore. She was tired after a fun-filled Christmas with her loving son. Chris had wavered, watching them open gifts, drink hot chocolate, and play games. But she still gave him his medicine before bed. She couldn't give the boy a break, not even on Christmas. He shut his laptop and put on his white beard, his Santa hat, and his gloves. It was important to conceal his face and his fingerprints. He exited his car and crept to the dark house. That window was still unlocked. He opened it and crawled inside. He was a loser to everyone he knew, but they didn't know the truth. They didn't know he was God in a Santa suit, and this wicked mother was on his naughty list. It was time to give her what she deserved. Thank you so much for watching and listening to Thriller Vault. I hope you'll join us uh, next week. Luke actually has a part two to the uh, Santa Vigilante story, which will be airing on December 23rd. I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday, and thanks again. 